We are now at a watershed moment. We are now ready to enter a new phase in our management of the pandemic. After four waves of infection, fewer people are becoming severely ill and requiring hospitalization. There are fewer deaths than before. Our scientists tell us that this is mainly because some 60 to 80% of the population has some form of immunity to the virus, either from previous infection or vaccinations. On Tuesday evening, President Cyril Ramaphosa announced that South Africa is relaxing its COVID-19 regulations with immediate effect. To date, the country has recorded more than 3.7 million cases and nearly 100,000 deaths. I'm Catherine Rice. And I'm Amy Gibbings. And you're listening to The Story. This week, we're talking about the new COVID regulations, how they'll impact you, and why they're being criticised in some quarters. We're now joined by News24 reporter Marvin Charles. Lovely to have you in the studio, Marvin. Thank you. Marvin, already a few months ago, the rules around isolation had changed. If you were in contact with a positive person, you didn't have to go into isolation. And if you were positive, you could stay in isolation for only seven days or when your symptoms passed. So we've already seen a sort of relaxing around COVID paranoia and um, a relaxing around the COVID protocols, specifically here in Cape Town. Um, don't you agree, Catherine? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I walk my dog in the park every day and for months people haven't been wearing masks. And I've, I don't know about you, Amy, but I've certainly seen a lot more people hugging. There's less paranoia for sure. Absolutely. I've even seen funny memes circulating around Cape Tonians not even knowing that it was illegal to be outside without a mask before the regulations, new regulations came in. But Marvin, can you tell us what these, um, which restrictions are being lifted? And are we going back to life as it was before the pandemic or are we not quite there yet? I definitely feel like we are on the right track of, of our um, life as we knew it before the pandemic wrecked havoc across all sectors. And President Ramaphosa stressed that, you know, as we enter the third year of the pandemic, we, are, we see more hope um, this time around. Obviously, there, there are still some sectors that um, do feel the pinch, of course, like at funerals, you won't have after tears and visuals are still prohibited. As we enter the third year of the pandemic, it's clear that COVID-19 has taken a brutal toll on our economy. The president said in his broadcast that two million jobs have been lost. I know we all hear personal stories of friends losing their jobs or their companies. It's been a, a challenging time. What have you heard on the ground from business owners and how the pandemic has affected them and their employees? So we've seen government's indecisiveness when it comes to managing the COVID-19 pandemic last year. We, we've had curfews. We've seen, you know, the, the amounts of people that are allowed to enter a venue and also alcohol consumption, whether on-site or off-site. And that really had a massive impact on, you know, particularly the hospitality industry, restaurants and the service industry. Um, if you go to Long Street, you know, businesses couldn't cope at all. I mean, we did a whole feature on those um, places. You know, people couldn't cope with the the impact of lockdown and, and the spread of the COVID-19 um, virus. And um, 
in essence, that was coupled with, with the impact of load shedding as well. And in this economy, businesses decided just to throw in the towel. Marvin, in terms of your field reporting, there's certainly been a lot of normal South Africans, ordinary South Africans, reaching out to people, trying to help with soup kitchens or food deliveries and parcels. In your reporting, going into areas where there is a lot of poverty, what are some of the stories you've seen and, and experienced out in the field? So what we've seen in those areas, you know, is the massive desperation of people trying to, you know, find something, you know, a job or, or you know, make ends meet, basically. And, uh, you know, that has now led to people unable to afford their rent. And it's led to massive land invasions in the city. We've seen it and we've reported on it extensively of where people, you know, couldn't afford their rent and decided just to occupy land instead. So it's, it's all these dominoes effect of the COVID-19 pandemic. Marvin, what are the critical numbers relating to the COVID crisis? How many people have been vaccinated to date? So basically, we have around 48% of of people that have received their first dose of of, um, vaccinations. However, the president has raised concerns about the low number of vaccinations among the youngsters. Um, The president has also stressed that around 60% of people um, have some sort of immunity against the virus. I have two teenage daughters and both of them have been vaccinated, but there's definitely still hesitancy, particularly amongst parents of children who are not sure whether it's the right thing to do. Um, In fact, my kids' school, they're actually busy doing a vaccination drive um, because there is this really this this move towards trying to get everyone vaccinated and it just seems to have slowed down quite significantly in South Africa. And interestingly the president said that they are going to embark on a campaign to get as many youngsters vaccinated. Marvin I also wanted to ask what exactly does the state of disaster mean? Why would parties such as the DA be campaigning for it to end with immediate effect? Remember what the purpose of the state of disaster was. It makes it gives government some sort of leeway to curtail regulations as it goes along in an attempt to curb the virus and the spread of the virus. However, what the DA is saying is that, you know, we need some sort of balance. You know, we can't have a state of disaster in place for so long where there's no certainty of it ending. And, you know, it gives government some sort of, you know, room. It gives them power. It gives, it gives them power, too much power. to... to you know, make rules as they go along. Marvin, thank you so much for your time. That was Marvin Charles, journalist for News 24. We're now joined by our political journalist, Jason Felix. Thank you for your time. Jason, tell us about the new draft regulations that were published on the 15th of March. They've been described in some quarters as illogical and ill-conceived. Why? Thanks for having me, uh, Catherine. Um, Part of the reason is that uh, the national state of disaster, which uh, gives effect to what we call the lockdown, or what is known as the lockdown, uh, experts and politicians and scientists especially, um, they've advised the government that we, for instance, do not need this strong mechanism to, I, want, I would like to say, govern people. Obviously, the mask wearing was uh, was a big issue, and that has been dropped now. But the whole point of it being illogical and being sort of unnecessary is the fact that we don't need this national state of disaster 
to um, to manage COVID-19 anymore and certainly to manage people's lives. Uh, we've been on level one since October uh, last year. Uh, we've been fairly okay um, in managing COVID-19 and just our general lives going on from day to day. Professor uh, Shabir Mahdi from the Vich University once said that the social distancing rules and the COVID-19 regulations causes more disruption than actual COVID-19. So from that view, one can argue that it's all just unnecessary. Of course, wearing a mask indoors and in poorly ventilated areas remains a big deal. Um, certainly they've dropped the mask wearing for outside, um, for joggers and for those who are just roaming around the streets. But I think the big point boils, boils down to the national state of disaster still being in effect and still being used as a way for uh, for managing COVID-19 because if we look at it in all respects, there, there is no state of disaster that we are in. And that is the whole point of it being illogical. Some scientists are saying restrictions may have been useful at the beginning of the pandemic when we didn't know much about COVID, but that's definitely changed as more people have become immune. Should the focus not be on economic recovery now? The focus should be on economic recovery. Um, I think about 34 million South Africans have received a vaccine dose, either of the Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson. Um, I think you, you're you quite correct. In the beginning of the pandemic, March 20 and, uh, 2020, I think, uh, we were in, uh, we had big difficulties. None of us, none of our scientists knew what COVID-19 was. We weren't prepared for to a large extent, um, but now we are. Now we know what the pandemic is. Now we know how to handle it uh, from a health perspective and from generally a regulation perspective. I think what we should do now is that we see sports stadiums being opened up um, and, and they can allow 50% of their capacity. Um, the tourism industry is a big industry and a big contributor to, to, uh, to GDP in our country, the event sector, festivals. I think we need to focus on that more and we need to focus on getting people vaccinated. And first of all, we need to get people vaccinated who are on the higher risk groups. So you call up those with comorbidities and those senior citizens, if, if I can call, call them that. The other group that we need to focus on is young people, those between the age of 18 and about 35, because they are vehemently just refusing to get vaccinated. And by, by, by way of doing that is to open up attractions that attract these youngsters to go to, like your pubs, like your restaurants, like your clubs, your big festivals, those kind of things. If as a government you focused on economic recovery, you should have done in the, well, long ago, you should have told young people, listen here, all of us want to get back to a normal life. All of us want to get back to having festivals and having big events. Those kind of events you should you should keep and you should cater for only for the vaccinated. And that's one way of getting people vaccinated. The whole goal comes in in vaccination and that is part of our recovery because we can't recover with a national state of disaster there. And vaccinating those in the economy is going to be the most important thing. Do we have any idea why there has been such a small turnout in younger the younger population in getting vaccinated? I was under the assumption that it might have been the stronger set of the population getting vaccinated, but it appears not. Do we have any idea as to why? The government launched uh, what they call um, hashtag key ready. It's a campaign to get young people uh, vaccinated. I, I can't give you the exact reasons as to why a lot of young people are not uh, getting vaccinated. Some just say that they don't want the vaccine. Others don't trust the government and others are reading fake news. And when one really thinks of it, young people are the ones that uh, that sit on YouTube and watch YouTube videos and follow social media with keen interest. And these are the spaces where this fake news and this 
um, um, inaccurate information is shared, and maybe that could be the reason. I'm not saying it is, but maybe that could be the reason why younger people tend not to get vaccinated. Jason, the government has said it intends to end the state of disaster, but there's been quite a lot of pushback from the Democratic Alliance. Can you tell us about that? So about a week ago, a week or two ago, Catherine, um, the the DA launched a court application. Um, I, I speak under correction. I'm, we're not entirely sure if they have approached the court as yet, but they said that is their intention. Um, they want to bring an end to the state of disaster completely, to the national state of disaster or the lockdown. They want to bring a, a, an end to it completely. Their argument is that government has ghibli extended this national state of disaster like they've done now. They've extended it to the 15th of April. And the argument is that we don't need to wear masks outside. We don't need this big structure, this draconian structure to govern us during this time. We don't need that. And a lot of people, scientists and experts, certainly believe that that is the case. The DA also argues that, and this is not my argument, this is the DA's argument. They also argue that uh, the government is using the national state of disaster to just basically do what they want to do with very little oversight. Um, I mean, it's a national state of disaster, parliamentary oversight and and other types of oversight really happens and this is why we've had the problem with the COVID-19 funds being misappropriated, billions and billions of rands that were misappropriated because institutions like the Auditor General wasn't watching them as closely as they maybe should have. Parliament was in recess, Parliament wasn't doing anything where this large expenditure, large amount of money was being spent on COVID-19 vaccines, on PPE, and this is why they're getting away with it. And I think generally people don't want to live like this anymore. I mean, we, we, when we look at Europe, we look at the soccer stadiums and the sports stadiums, it's back to the rafters, it's 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 filled. I mean, everyone else is living a normal life. Our neighbours in Namibia have dropped mask wearing completely. Uh, they're welcoming tourists. Um, they're doing all these kind of things. So we're doing it now after the president's uh, address. And I think that was a good step, but this structure and this, this legislative structure, you don't need that anymore because the argument is that all of us understand what COVID is now. All of us understand that we need to wear our mask and need to do what we can do to keep ourselves safe. But with 34 million uh, vaccine doses administered so far, I think people get the picture and you don't need this this structure to control people in such a in, 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 in such a manner which the government has done now. Jason, the proposed regulations give the government the right to mandate medical examinations, isolation and treatment for people with notifiable medical conditions. South African health experts have said the measures show a disconnect between government and the lives of ordinary South Africans. What are your thoughts? Does the government appear to truly understand what the current priority should be when it comes to getting our economy back on track? That's a that's a difficult question. I'm thinking of the time when they banned roast chicken at Woolworths and at Spa and at those stores. So one needs to really question whether they do understand what it what it really is about. Look, I always say I'm I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, and South Africans have one of the best scientists uh, globally, renowned scientists. And all that we should do is listen to these guys. If our scientists are telling us we don't need to wear masks, then we don't need to wear masks. These are the same people that have have, have done contact tracing and have done excellent work in, in that space. For economic recovery, um, the, the president speaks of economic recovery, but I feel that the left hand isn't speaking to the right hand because he, he speaks of economic recovery and growing the economy and opening up everything that needs to be opened up, uh, but then he, but then we have we see them extending the national state of disaster. Um, so it's 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 those kind of things. You you see limitations on 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 
on gatherings for, for the unvaccinated, which I can understand from a health point of view, but it's still a limitation. We, we see many other things that, that are taking place, appointments that, that are made. Um, we recently had the story of uh, this parallel government that the president is running where he's supposed to depend on his ministers to do what they're supposed to do, but then he brings in people from the private sector to kind of do what they need to do. And I think that maybe speaks to his intention to grow the economy and to just fix things once and for all. But I don't think that the left hand is speaking with the right hand. Well, thank you so much for your input and, and your insights there. Thank you. That was political reporter for News24, Jason Felix. That's it from us. I'm Catherine Rice. And I'm Amy Gibbings. Join us again next week for The Story.